Welcome to the Mum Break Podcast, a place where you can feel normal, get helpful information, and laugh your ass off. Hopefully without peeing your pants. I'm your host, Erica, and I have two kiddos. I am not a mom expert, but I do have a zillion hours of therapy under my belt and no filter. I'm on my own journey to find happiness, and I want to help you on the way to yours. This journey has been a unique one for me, and I thought a lot about how I wanted to share this story. I thought about if I should bring on lactation consultants, if I should bring on people who love formula, if I should, what I should do. I didn't know, but what I ultimately decided was that the best and most honest way that I can tell this story is just by chatting with you guys myself and sharing it all from start to finish. And it has been quite the journey and it's not one that I've ever shared. (laughs) It was actually one of the few topics that I didn't feel comfortable talking about. For a long time, I, I didn't share my feeding journey and my feeding story with my kids. And to be quite honest, the real true honest reason was that I was scared. I was scared of being judged. I was worried that people would formulate mean opinions because I find that breastfeeding or actually I'm going to change, remove the word breastfeeding and say how you feed your own baby has become such a point of contention in the online world that I didn't even want to tackle it. I wanted to have nothing to do with it. I just wanted to go and do me. I share so much of my life And I felt like this was one of the pieces that I wanted to hold close because I just didn't want to get criticized online. I didn't want people to tell me that what I was doing was wrong because what I was doing was the best that I could for my family and I. So ultimately why I decided to share this journey is because I posted an initial post. I'm going to guess what timelines right now. Totally guessing let's say about a year ago now, and it got so much more positivity than I had ever anticipated because people aren't willing to necessarily share, and you'll understand a bit when I share the actual full story, but they're not willing to necessarily share this side of things because they're scared of the consequences or retribution or criticism or what people will think about them, whatever it might be. There was so much positivity in response to the post that I realized that it would be helping a lot more people than it would be hurting myself. I was willing to take the punches in order to help the amount of mothers that it would help. So what I decided to do this episode was to do something a little bit different than I've been doing the last few, and that's just to talk to you guys and have a conversation with you and share with you what my feeding journey with both of my children has been like. And you can take with you can take and interpret it however you want to, but ultimately the main message and the the main message I will always have is that with feeding, it has to be a choice that works best for you and your family. And that includes your children and your baby and other children that you may have and yourself and your partner. But it's not necessarily as black and white as people think from the perspective of breast is best, fed is best. It's just 
make sure that you are doing what works for you. Include yourself, include your partner, include your baby, include your other children, include mental health, include physical health, include physical restrictions, whatever it might be. And then just try the best you can to put sort of those horse blinders on and not let some of the outside world soak in. And if that means that you decide that breastfeeding is the way that you need to go and it's something you have to do, then when people try to shove a formula bottle in your baby's face, explain to them why this is so important to you and what you're doing to try to take those steps. If you are a mom who just never wants to start breastfeeding ever and formula is the way you've decided to go exclusively, it's about being confident in your decisions and then ultimately not contributing to criticizing criticizing others. So I, I, I jumped ahead there because I feel so passionate about this topic. And I think that unless you've been in the heat of these conversations, it's really, it's, you may not have the insight into the actual amount of controversy there is right now online. And it, I don't think it's helping anybody. So what I'm hoping to do and the way that I'm hoping to help is just to share my story and all the things that I've experienced from a feeding perspective. And if you resonate with it and it helps you amazing, if it doesn't resonate with you and it's not your personal choice, then understand that this isn't your journey. This is my journey. And my journey actually started when I was in my early 20s. (laughs) Probably not what you would expect since I'm in my early 30s right now. I had chronic migraines. I had the worst crippling headaches and migraine medication wasn't working. I would be missing school. I would be missing social functions. My headaches were so bad and that's because I had giant boobs. Really, really, really obnoxiously clothes don't fit, giving me tension headaches, big. Like, it was just, it was, I don't know how, because when I was in my early 20s, I was also very fit. So it's not, it, it was just really disproportionate to the rest of my body is what I guess I'm trying to say. And that ultimately, I think is the start of my journey because then subsequently because of that, I actually had a breast reduction. And I mentioned it in one podcast episode earlier, and that was the first time I've ever mentioned it. But that has very much shaped my feeding journey because there are <laughs> physical limitations to what I can do with my boobs from a food production standpoint. <laughs> like, anyways, I'm going to talk about it a little bit, but I, I started off with a breast reduction in my early 20s. And at that point in time, I was nowhere near ready or thinking about having kids or how I would be feeding the kids. It was just, I was in pure survival mode. I needed to fix this problem because I was not able to function. And the solution to that was, was a breast reduction. And I am so happy to say that it was completely curative. It is the best decision I have ever made because coming out of it, I haven't had a migraine until very recently, which is almost 10 years later. I didn't, I wasn't getting tension headaches anymore clothes could fit me. I could shop almost in regular bra stores and no more specialty stores and $150 bras for me. 
it was the best, one of the best decisions I have ever made. And if you're on the fence, I'm happy to talk with you um, anytime about it. I've, I did a lot of research. I, you know, didn't care about feeding and breastfeeding at all when I made the decision because I was truly in so much pain. Now, the reason that I've never shared that is because I didn't want my feeding journey to completely be justified and rationalized by this decision I made in my early 20s. I didn't want people to say, well, she's feeding her child this way or that way, but it's exclusively because of the breast reduction, so I need to be able to do it this other way because I didn't have a breast reduction. I didn't want it to be an excuse in any way, shape, or form, if that makes sense. I'm not sure it's the most logical thing, but it's just it's just what I what I decided. And because I was in my early 20s and then I didn't have my first child until my late 20s, so I don't know, six, five, six years later, I, when I had my, when I was pregnant with my first child, I had just come to the conclusion that I wasn't going to be able to breastfeed. I did no research on it. Being pregnant with your first kid when you're not someone who's very maternal was funny because I did no research to the after pregnancy, what to expect about feeding and sleep training and how to just keep a baby alive. I did no research in and I did not know what I was doing. I had no clue. I didn't know anything about breastfeeding when I was pregnant with my first child. I didn't know there was controversy online. I didn't know that people were, you know, very opinionated about how you feel feed your child. I had I was so so naive to all of these conversations that I just said to myself, you know what? Cool. Formula is a thing that was created. I'll just feed my baby formula. It'll be easier. My husband can help. People can help. We can share the load. It'll be great. It'll be easy. I don't need to breastfeed. It's perfect. I probably won't be able to anyways. And I didn't really give it much of a thought. I just carried about my day, kept focusing on the fact that I just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And when you're first first pregnant for the first time, you're like, holy, I can't believe my body is stretching anymore. Like, how is it possibly going to first trimester? You're like, I'm so huge. Second trimester, you're like, I can't possibly get any bigger. And then third trimester, just you haven't seen your vagina in five months. And it's like, what the? Anywho, (laughs) I didn't think about breastfeeding or anything really postpartum at all with my first. And my very first experience with breastfeeding was I had a pretty traumatic birth with my first kid. And all good. We were all healthy. She came out. They did a little snip, took her umbilical cord, weighed her, and then brought her back. And I immediately tried to get her to latch. And I, I, being the newbie mom who didn't know what was going on, who hadn't done any research in breastfeeding, was like, okay, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. And she just, you know, we spent the first half hour trying to start working on the latch. I'm like, I don't understand what is going on, but this nurse knows what's up. So I'm just going to listen to her. And it was a little bit weird and it was awkward. And because it wasn't something I had planned, I didn't really understand what was going on. And then, you know, we family came in and we got started getting settled with this new baby. And I kind of forgot about the whole situation until then, you know, later come in the nurse and said, it's time to start breastfeeding. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, what do I do? Okay, sure. Let's try this. Let's give it a try. And I learned all about the 
pancake or the hamburger or like the squeeze and you just like ram their face on aggressively because apparently I wasn't, you know, shoving their face in there quickly enough. And I really worked at it. And then all of a sudden, because all of these people told me I was supposed to be breastfeeding, I went headfirst into figuring out how to make this work. Like, okay, cool. You know what? This is fine. We'll do this. We won't have to we'll save money on formula. I got this. Kind of forgetting that I had a breast reduction and there's actual like limits to what I physic- physically could do. Uh, and then because of that, it kind of clicked that, huh, maybe this is a little bit trickier. So then we got extra lactation consultant help and, you know, people refused to give us formula. And then some pe- one nurse gave us formula, but the other one refused to give us formula. It was all a big confusing first few days because in the hospital, you're getting all of these different nurses who have all of these different opinions. Some of them, if you, you know, you have to breastfeed, it's a thing you have to do. Others are just happily, liberally giving you formula. So as a first-time mom, I remember feeling really confused and getting a lot of mixed messages. It was it didn't help with the overwhelm. No one ever just told me, here's what's happening. You can choose what works for you. Here are the resources that you need. I never got resources either. That's one thing until later. And I had to hunt them down myself. But anyways, I digress. The first few days in the hospital were really overwhelming because I was getting quite a few different mixed messages and I wasn't able to vocalize what I wanted because I didn't know what I wanted. And if I didn't know what I wanted, I wasn't sure how to ask. And I, it was just a very confusing time. So ultimately we left the hospital. We had rented all of the Medela hospital fancy pump parts because we realized after a few we were in the hospital for a few days for jaundice that it wasn't necessarily going to be an easy journey so we left the hospital with the fancy rented pump that's you know costs a ton of money and is hospital grade and goes and that that pumping sound makes me want to cringe and with a recommendation for the fact that I needed to come back right away for within the first two weeks, there was a free drop-in lactation consultant at the hospital. So I needed to come back to go to that. And I, you know, had to, I didn't even know how often I was supposed to be feeding. I didn't know how to do it. I wasn't sure what was going on. But I left the hospital with this baby with formula and with a pump that apparently I needed to use. And I got home and just deep dove into Google. It was a dark Googling about breastfeeding when you're tired and exhausted and not sure what's going on. And then going into all the Facebook groups is not a helpful situation. But I was realizing that, you know, every three hours we needed to feed her. I was producing no milk. So then we were supplementing with formula and we were pumping. And after having kind of got through the first day, um, semi-functioning, I went back to the lactation consultants at the hospital where they do the weigh-in, they do the diaper checks, they do the book of, you know, I forgot that I, I did this as my first, but you write down how much they eat and when and how much they poop and when, when they sleep and like you just document everything. Whereas the second, God, like, no, that's not something that I did. Not even a little bit. But I did all that and I went back and I remember feeling really, really judged at this particular appointment. I mentioned that I wasn't sure what to do. I hadn't planned to breastfeed. 
I was confused because I had had a breast reduction and her only answer to me was really having a breast reduction doesn't shouldn't matter. You can do it regardless. You just have to work harder. I'm paraphrasing so I can't remember exactly what she said, but that was my interpretation of it at the time. And I remember thinking, okay, cool. Well, if I do all of these things, then it should work. And I got put on to, and if you've been on this regiment, you know, you're probably going to shudder and cringe because it's god awful where you do um, a feed bottle pump routine every three hours. So by the time you're done all that, you sleep for half an hour and you start it all over again. So you do, you try to get both boobs in and then you top up with formula and then you pump for like 20 minutes. And you do that every three hours. So I did that for a few weeks, actually. And those were, as I described in my postpartum depression podcast, episode number two, the second episode I put out because I think it's sort of the bedrock of all things mom life for me. That first two weeks really shaped my postpartum depression and anxiety experience because A, I was sleeping way less than I normally would because I was on this three-hour feed feed bottle pump formula. And two, it's because I was incredibly frustrated that nothing was happening. Now, one thing about the breast reduction is that everyone does it a little bit differently depending on how much of a reduction you need. So let's say you have to take out milk glands and ducts and basically you just scoop out the boobs with all the stuff in it to make them smaller. (laughs) Essentially, that's a really crude way of saying it. I'm sure there's some medical way of saying it, but essentially you're taking away milk ducts and milk and the insides and the essence of the boobs to, you know, reduce them in size. So it's really hard to know how a reduction will affect if you're able to feed or not because everyone is the surgeons are different the sizes of the breasts beforehand are different the proceed like it's the procedures themselves are all very different so for that lactation consultant to say you should just be able to do it it shouldn't affect anything is an unfair and unrealistic statement because she had no idea medically what was done and I was producing very, very, very little. I would pump for, you know, 20 minutes aside every three hours and get less than five mils. Total. Total. And every lactation consultant I talked to just said, just keep pumping. You'll increase the supply. It's the way to do it. So two months in, or two months in, I did not make it two months. Two weeks in, I started to feel really more than a baby blues, but very much starting to feel overwhelmed and sad and depressed. And I said, I'm going to give myself one more week. And if my supply doesn't increase, then I'm done. I'm done because I was starting to lose it. But in those two weeks, what would really causing that anxiety and stress was that I had people, and I won't say who, but I had many different opinions being thrown at me. I had people who haven't seen me in years, they see the baby and they say, the very first question they ask is, how is nursing going? Before they ask about me, before they ask about the baby, they would always just ask, how is nursing? Which always was so strange to me because to me, the number one priority as a new mom is that you have a healthy baby. Like that is the one thing that's important to me. And especially now having had a second kid who was in the NICU, that's, that's the thing. Like, is the mom healthy? Is the baby healthy? That's it. The first question you get asked should not be, how is nursing going? 
So I got that asked that a lot. I also got a lot of people saying, just switch to formula, just switch to formula, even though they knew I was trying. And I also got a lot of people saying, well, don't give up with the breastfeeding. It's, you know, you got to keep going. You got to keep working. It's the best thing for the baby. It's the best thing. If you stop, it's not the best thing for the baby, even the formula. So I was getting all of these conflicting views from so many different people as a first time mom trying to figure it out. And I slowly started to break down. So I put in this one week trial for me. And I think I got up to pumping, like I was able to pump in one session, both boobs, um, 12 mils at some point. And I had hope, <laughs> like how sad is that? That 12 mils, like not, we're not talking ounces. We're talking mil milliliters, like the tiny little newborn imp, like it just, it was so minuscule. And it was a powerful, also high-grade test hospital pump as well. It's not just a small week. Like, it was a hospital test pump. And hospital grade, rather. And I remember near the end of my one-week trial, I was pumping, and I just left, let it go. I know you're not supposed to pump for too long, but I was ended up pumping for, like, half an hour, and I got less than five mils. And I instantly just burst into tears. Like, it was, it was very 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 hard and that's when I decided I'm done I remember in that moment I was sitting in the recliner chair in my office and I just said no I, I can't do this anymore it is it is too hard I am not functioning as a human being I'm not taking care of myself at all and my child is suffering because of that because my mental health is going so with then we switched over to formula. I bought uh, a baby Brezza, one of those form. I call them a baby Keurig. <laughs> it's basically a formula maker machine. So you just pop a bottle underneath and press a button and it instantly perfectly heats a bottle of formula. And it was as soon as I had decided that I was truly okay, not breastfeeding, Something that I had never planned to do in the first place and had been pressured to do by various people in my life and various influences. But once I finally allowed it to be okay, then I felt like an instant weight was lifted. I became a happier person. My kid was eating better. My kid was happier. And it was, it was just such a liberating moment. I remember feeling almost as though the clouds had parted and the sun has just shining through now into this ah, kind of comical, cartoony moment. And it lasted for a little bit until I had to start going out with my kid and play dates. And everybody was just whipping out their boob. And I remember the first time I almost didn't want to feed her because I just almost guiltily with this heavy heart pulled out my bottle thinking oh my god they're judging me because I'm using a bottle and they're looking at they look at me and I, as soon as they would look at me I would think they know I'm a horrible mother because I am using formula for my kid and that lasted for a few months until I realized that just f them it's my life it's my journey I'm doing the best that I can but it really hit me that, and since since talking about that, people on the other side have thought the other thing. People who have been struggling with breastfeeding think, oh, I, I'm, I'm so jealous that they're able to do formula. I feel guilty, yada, yada, yada. But it's just to go, it's just to say that it goes both ways. It's not always what people 
you think people are thinking, you kind of make up this story in your head about what they're thinking. And I, I doubt very much that any of those moms actually ever thought that. So it was an interesting experience. That was a few months in, and then I finally kind of came to terms with it. Now, with my second, <laughs> I went into it thinking I am okay with breastfeeding. I really wish that I could do it. I, I'm going to try it again because what they say about breast reductions is that the second child, it's actually easier to breastfeed if you've had a breast reduction because your supply will increase by maybe 50 to 100%. So I went into it with the mindset that I'm going to try my best that I can. I'm going to give it a go. If it doesn't work, then I'll be okay with it. But again, that's not entirely how it went because I had this big plan of having the baby and then instantly working on breastfeeding and fixing the latch and really just working on it, but then Austin was in the NICU. So he wasn't even able to attempt to breastfeed until he was six days old. So I then (laughs) reluctantly just would sit and pump in the NICU or, you know, they have really fancy pumps there because they're NICU, so they're newborn, special newborn preemie ones. But I remember the most single most depressing thing that I think... One of the hardest things that I've ever done is to go home and to get home and leave the hospital from the NICU without your child and to see the bassinet all set up and to not be able to put the baby in it. But then you have to wake up every three hours at night when your baby's not even there to pump to make sure that you have a supply. And that was soul crushing it was not easy it was but it was something that I decided I'm going to try I'm going to do my best but when you have your kid in a hospital half an hour away and you're waking up in the middle of the night with no baby around to sit and pump by yourself in bed after freshly giving birth and just already heal physically starting to heal or not even physically being healed yet yourself from having delivered it it was hard and I pumped almost nothing <laughs> until I would pump when he was around so one of the things that they say is that you actually do better when they're on the boob you feel do better feeding because they're there and they're doing the work and they're close to you but for preemie and NICU babies they say that if you're going to pump, have them near you while you're pumping because your body, um, ex- uh, what's it called? Your body just produces this hormone that basically increases your supply. So I would notice almost a doubling, doubling. We're getting into the real good grammar right now. I would notice that I would have almost double the supply when he was around, but I'm still talking less than like 10 mils a pump for both sides here but more than with my first child. So the first week of Austin's life was kind of, um, we'll say half-assed pumping, to say the least, to the point where some of you probably don't know this exists, but (laughs) for the moms who pump and have horrible supply and want to get that colostrum and that liquid gold out, instead of using actual pump bottles, they have pump syringes with little tiny needles that capture every single drop 
And that was me, nurse, lactation consultant, literally using a needle and a syringe to suck up every tiny freaking drop that my poor, sad, milk duckless boobs could produce. And that sucked too. That was also really, really depressing. So all that to say, the first week did not go as planned, like I had planned. But as soon as I got him home, it was in my mind because breastfeeding is the best possible thing you could do for your child. And my child had just come out of the NICU and he was sick and I needed to do everything I possibly could for him because it was all that I was able to do for him. I was giving it a really solid go. And I actually ditched the the three-step pumping and just went exclusively to feeding so that he could get used to it. So I would just get him on the boob as much as I could. I went and found lactation consultant um, that I really, really liked. Um, there's one in Westboro that has paid drop-ins and uh, I'll link them up below. But the reason why I liked them so much is because they were very pragmatic about the fact that I had a breast reduction. So they weren't, I didn't feel like I was being forced into doing anything. I just felt like I was being supported in whatever decision I decided. Milk faced, that's what it's called. Milk faced on Churchill, if you're in Ottawa. And so I started going to the drop-in clinics. I really liked it. They were great. Austin had the best latch in the entire world. And the kid loved being on the boob. Like he would just hang out there all day if he could, but he wasn't getting any milk. And I would still pump every once in a while, more just to see where my supply level was at so that I could supplement as needed. I bought all the tools. I bought all the supplements. I, uh, I bought, the, oh my God. I bought, I forget what it's called. I think it's the mother's help. Maybe it's the mother's helper, but essentially what it is, is it simulates breastfeeding. So it's like a little tube that comes down and you tape it to your nipple. So they drink the tube and your nipples. They then help create this, increase the supply with this, their sucking, but they also still get fed at the same time. So you're not double dipping and doing a bottle after or whatever, because you're actually doing a bottle at the same time. So that was fun. That didn't make me feel like a cow at all. But I lasted for him, with him before I decided that I was ready to give up, if you will. And I don't think that's the right choice of words, but I quote unquote gave up at around two months with him. And the reason, and I'm, I'm in hindsight, I'm really, really glad this happened because it made it easier to stop. But the reason it happened was because I actually got, oh my goodness, what's it called? Mastitis. Thank you. Mastitis. I got mastitis twice. So I got it the first time and it was a horrible, horrible, like you just get out of the NICU with this kid. You get home for a week. You're doing everything you possibly can to breastfeed. And then you have a fever of 105 and you're basically going to the hospital because you can't function because you have mastitis and your boobs are just... I think I would rather go through labor than mastitis. It was awful. I, I much prefer labor, labor to mastitis. So I got on the meds. I kept with the breastfeeding. And I got mastitis again after I was done my antibiotic round. And I'm like, I'm done. I cannot. I am exhausted. I've tried everything. I've tried the go-through. I've tried the mother's help. I don't know what's called mother's helper. But I'm just going to assume. Mother's helper. I have tried lactation consultants. I have got mastitis twice. And then what I realized after getting mastitis twice, it was the craziest epiphany to me, 
is that I think what had happened, and I may be totally out to lunch, but this is just my educated guess. So if you happen to be a surgeon who does breast reductions, who is listening to this, and you can correct me, let me know. But I think what happened was that I had milk ducts that hadn't been removed, but the connection to my nipple was severed. So I was still producing milk. And it was, and with Austin learned, trying to breastfeed, I was producing milk again and things were being acti- activated, but there was no way for that milk to actually get out. So it would just sit there and get infected and painful. And I would have to just massage out the, the um, uh, the ducks, but nothing, I couldn't physically get it out. I, so I, I'm thinking that's what happened because in hindsight, like I would feel my breasts and I would feel the milk. I was engorged all the freaking time, but I couldn't, no matter what I did, I couldn't get it out. So I was always uncomfortable. And I think it was a good and a bad thing, like I said, because it made it really easy to stop, but it also made it really emotional and sad to stop this time because here I am with this kid who I just need to take care of and who is sick. And it was my job to produce things for him so that he wouldn't be sick. And I wasn't able to. So it it was so close, but so far, like I, I loved it. He had a great latch. I was potentially had a great supply. I just couldn't get it to him. So it was a really, really difficult few months. And I, when I decided to stop and switch completely and exclusively to formula and drag out the baby Brezza out of storage, it was the same sort of liberating experience that I had. But the cool part about this time is that I had zero guilt about now using to, choosing to exclusively formula feed. And the reason I had no guilt is because I had, at the time, a two and a half year old who was super healthy, who had been exclusively formula fed. So in that, from that perspective, it was, it was much, much easier. But I think the, the overall viewpoint was that it was such an emotional choice because I actually, the second time loved, I loved the feeling of breastfeeding and I, I loved the connection with him and I just wasn't able to do it. And that's really part of the reason why I haven't shared that I had a breast reduction because I did love it and I would choose to do it if I could. But I, and I'm very happy and very confident with my decision to formula feed both my children. But I didn't want other mothers who choose to formula feed their kids but don't have the quote unquote excuse of a breast reduction to feel bad about the fact that they need to use or want to use formula. Because I think that going back to the very beginning of this episode, if we can all just stay in our lanes and focus on how we can best serve our own families without butting in and being intrusive on how other people are choosing to live their lives, then that will serve everybody best. And there are, yes, there are times when mothers and parents and fathers and guardians are do not have the best interest of their child in their heart, and that is horrifying and sad. But that is not the majority of the scenarios of people online who are bickering. Most of these people are so passionate about these things because they love their children so much and they want to 
impose the benefits of whatever choice they've made onto other families. And I don't think that's helpful for anybody. I think we just have to respect the fact that mothers, parents, guardians, whatever, are trying to do that the best they can for their family. And the best they can is not exclusively the method you choose to feed one child in your family. It is about the health of that baby, the health of that child. It is the health of the other children because of the health of the parents and the mother and the mother's mental health. All of those things are the things that you need to decide. So if you decide that formula is the route you want to go because of some really good reasons for you and your family, then rock it, crush it, do you. If you decide that breastfeeding is a journey that you need to and want to and are passionate about experiencing, then work for it and fight for it. I just don't like seeing people online not supporting each other. And I know it comes from a place where in some locations in the world and some places, breastfeeding is not well received. I had a really interesting conversation with an Instagram friend when I met her in Florida when I was there. And to see the differences in support for breastfeeding in, let's say, Orlando versus Ottawa, Canada was shocking to me. As an example, in the hospital, she was just given formula right away. Her, she wasn't, her kids weren't put on her boob right away. No one expected her to breastfeed. Nobody encouraged her to breastfeed and people still shamed her to, for breastfeeding in public. And I think that's really sad and part of the reason why so many people are fighting out for breast is best, which I which I appreciate, but I don't think that phrase is appropriate either because you have some somewhere like Canada where we have many, many free breastfeeding. If I wanted to go to a free breastfeeding clinic, I could go almost every single day of the week and it would be less than a five minute drive to all of them. Uh, I know I have no friends and no, no situations that I've been in where it's not completely normal just to whip out a boob. It's just something that we do here. And I think it's important to remember that it's all very different based on where you live and what cultures you are raised in. So with that being said, I appreciate that the people who haven't got to that place where breastfeeding is is normalized, they're fighting for their right. And I, I completely appreciate that. But please, if someone is deciding to and make the de- making the decision to formula feed, then that's their right too. It's not taking away from the movement of breastfeeding. So for instance, myself, I made the choice to breastfeed, or sorry, I made the choice to formula feed my kids exclusively. But that does not mean that I will not super support anybody who decides to breastfeed. I think it's amazing. And I do wish that I could have done it. But it's, let's just get back to basics. Let's get back to supporting one another. Choose what works best for you, your child, your mental health, your relationship with your partner. Factor in the whole picture, not just one portion of it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm to be honest, a little bit nervous about how this episode will be received because the topic is so polarized right now. I do think though that it's important to share and I hope that it helps to understand my journey a little bit better. Okay, before I totally leave you here, I just want to say that I do have a really awesome Facebook group. It's called Mumbreak, the Facebook group you won't hate. You can hunt it in there 
It is such a good group, and it is no-nonsense, lovely group of humans. So go there and join it. If you do like this podcast episode, it brings it brings joy. It does bring joy to my life, but it truly makes my day reading new podcast reviews and to make sure that you subscribe so you won't miss one. As well, if you want to get email notifications letting you know when the new episode comes out, just go to the mumbreakpodcast.com. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. Have a fantastic day.